Hello and welcome to PostgreSFM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, uh, let's talk about sub-transactions and be very short with this. This is a super simple topic because I have super simple rule, just don't use sub-transactions unless you're absolutely necessary. And I'm going to describe details, but not going too deep. Let's keep this episode short. Sounds great. And also it's Thanksgiving. So hopefully people are spending right, exactly, a lot of our audience yeah. are listening, uh, uh, spending a lot of time with their family. So happy Thanksgiving to anybody that celebrates and hopefully you'll be thankful for a short episode. Right. And I, I wanted to thank you, of course, for doing this with me so long. Oh, likewise. Right. It's, been, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Where should we start then? So let's start with the idea of subtransactions very briefly. The idea is if you have complex transaction and you want to <laughs> to handle some kind of failure, or like for example, a statement might fail, but you don't want to lose the the previous statements already completed in, in the same transaction, or you want, for example, to explicitly undo some steps, right? It might be actually multiple statements. You can return to previous point. So you can use subtransactions, also called nested transactions, or in some cases, although it's not very nested, but kind of, okay, it's nested. Nested transactions also, there is a, a SQL standard keyword. I think it's SQL standard, right? A safe point. Oh yeah, I don't know if it's standard, but I think it is because I read the Postgres docs for this and they mention one tiny part of it that's not standard compliant. And so therefore I assume everything else is. Right. Yeah. I think it's standard. Yeah. What, what was it, that part? I also remember, but I don't remember which part. Oh, it gets standard. into the details, but it's around the naming of subtransactions. So you can name right. them so that you can then roll back to the name. And it's, if you use right. the same name multiple times, the standard says you should uh, yeah. destroy previous ones whereas the Postgres yeah. implementation allows you to uh, roll back to one with the same name and then roll back to it the same name again but that rolls back to the previous one with anyway hopefully that made some sense so the idea is nice right uh, if you have really complex transactions and uh, you expect that you need to roll back sometimes you just put some safe points in various places and you can return to them and you can imagine it like there are two ways to imagine it I, I i'm not sure both are correct let's discuss it so one is like we have some flat picture and save points and we can jump and another is nested and i think nested is more like it's more correct although it uh if you look code usually it's it doesn't have an indentation right mm -hmm. it's like flat vertical same indented lines of code save point one save point like Save point name one, save point name two, and some statements between them. And you can uh, roll back to, pre to previous uh, one of previous save points. But internals are, there is nesting there applied because when you return to some older save point, you lose the deeper, like newer, fresher save points because they are internally implemented like kind of deeper. And one of the problems we will discuss, it's related to this a level of, of nesting or depth of, of this nesting, right? Yes. And I think on the, just on the basics, I think it's worth mentioning that 
even if you know that you haven't used save points anywhere in your code, you could still be using subtransactions without without exactly yeah all, all it, can, it can call it nested transactions so like i think nesting is a prop is a, the right concept here although again like it looks like not nested but it's nested and i think Django they they use nesting word and they Django and, may, and maybe some other orms will provoke you using this to use it like implicitly you so you just do something and you don't know but you use it also plpg sql will provoke to use it because if you at some point if you use a lot a lot of plpg sql code as i do at yeah. some point you will want to have begin accept uh, end blocks except when blah 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 so just to handle some feathers and yes. this is uh 100 already sub transaction because there is another begin block which defines the main body of the plpg scale function right so that's the big one i think so the orms can be using it behind the scenes without you realizing and if if you've got any exception handling in functions whether that's functions or triggers like you are using sub transactions or you might be using sub transactions right any exception handling or maybe the top level exception handling at is it possible, like, say, begin, blah, blah? We always have begin end block for the like, top level, right? Like, implicitly. We can put or, oh, no, you mean yes. in a function? We can put exception. I think exception, I think as soon as you're using the exception clause, you are okay. using. Yeah, I think so as well, but I'm just, I'm just curious. Okay, but yeah. definitely if you use additional begin exception end blocks inside the body of the PLPG scale function, it's already a transaction. For sure. So it's a implicit subtransaction. So what are the problems with them? Yeah, uh, great. Let's let's be short as we promised. The very first problem is that we have still four byte transaction IDs. Yeah. Four byte transaction IDs means that we have uh, uh, like four billion, four point two billion space, and we can use it only only half of it because one half of it is the past, one half of it is the future. So there is a transaction ID wraparound problem would happens after 2 billion, 2.1 billion transactions. If freezing didn't happen, if you blocked auto vacuum, for example, with long transaction or something, or just turned it all off, but it should wake up even if you turn it off. Okay. So we have four byte transaction IDs and to optimize how these IDs are spent, there is also the concept of virtual transaction ID. So if you just uh, run select or some read-only transaction, it won't uh, increment trans transaction ID counter, right? So you won't waste uh, seed value. If you use subtransactions, a transaction with a couple of subtransactions is already three. Yeah, seeds. that's the big issue, right? Uh, well, not the big issue, but in this problem, in this problem, faster. You you start spending these uh, quite like not cheap seeds faster than if you didn't use subtransactions. So, yeah. but also there are multi seeds. It's a, a different topic, right? So this is not. I think it's not super big topic. I just worth understanding that uh, we move faster if we use subtransactions quite often. Cool. Let's move on to problem two. Yeah, second problem is this nesting, uh, nesting level, like depth of nesting. Uh, there is a cache, and if you reach nest nesting level 64, I don't know who do does it, but this is quite quite well documented in mailing list and other places, quite well documented uh, overflow problem. 
Yeah, uh, so just- we're talking about doing 64 levels of that nesting depth. I, I did see a blog post, was it by, it was on the Cybertech blog, I think, by Lawrence? Was Maybe that on yeah, this? Yeah. yeah, so in, I think it's quite easy to demonstrate this problem in Right, and we have a benchmark for it, synthetic yeah. benchmark, we did it. it, it was easy. So you just, too many save points, and we, you reach the level 65, uh, this is cache per backend, so it's like local cache, and uh, in this case, degradation is obvious. Yeah, so it's not a hard limit, right? It's just a you pay a performance penalty at that point. And right, I've never right. seen this in the real world. Have you Have you ever seen a case of this? Well, only in, in synthetic tests. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, great. <laughs> right. So not on, in, in production. And it's not a hard limit in terms of the problems it gives, but it's hard limit you cannot change it. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's a constant in source code, so mm-hmm. it's hard. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's not huge. Okay. You can go there, but probably don't want to go there. So uh, a third problem is related to Maltic seeds, this uh, additional space of transaction IDs, multi-transaction IDs, mm-hmm. multi exact IDs. Like, actually, I, I, I see it's not very well documented, these, these things. For example, Maltic seed wraparound also might happen. We don't see big block posts like from Sentry or MailChimp uh, as for regular transaction IDs. But I, I, it's still can happen. So documentation doesn't have a good words, like details about how to properly monitor it and so on. But I mean, it's possible. Anyway, uh, multi-exact, it's a mechanism. It's like different space. And it's a mechanism when, when multiple sessions establish a lock on the same object, right? For example, like share lock, for example. For example, when you have foreign keys, you you deal with multi-exec in, uh, like implicitly again. So Postgres establish multiple locks on the same object and the multi-exec value is assigned. And there is a problem, like there's a very good blog post from uh, Nelson LH, how, how to pronounce you? you should I have it. no idea, but uh, Nelson okay. seems like a good bet for the first name. We'll link, I'll link it up in the show notes, of course. Right, this is excellent blog post from 2021. I'm not sure which company it was, but the blog post explains several problems actually as well. And it explains like, there is a well-known problem. I, honestly, I, I must admit, I didn't know about that problem as well, but the blog post assumes everyone knows it. Okay, so the problem, it's, it's not related to sub-transactions, but there is a problem with uh, select for update. So there is like performance cliff. This blog post explains it. So once I read it, I started like be very careful when recommending to use select for update to parallelize, for example, queue-like workloads. And well, you actually, can select for share, right? Select for update. Oh, okay. This is it's not related to subtransactions. We start from there. So it, it says there is a performance cliff related to to select for update. Okay, it explains it as blah blah. Okay, but and I now understand. Okay, select for update. We should be very careful with with it. So, and that's why I became bigger fan of single session consumption of queue-like workloads, because usually single se- with single session, you can move very fast. Because once you start using select for update, you can meet this performance cliff. Of course, at larger scale, like you have mul- many thousands of TPS, for example. So, okay, forget about select for update. Then the post explains select for share. We, we, where, oh, for, sorry. Sorry, I, I, I maybe messed up with this 
you think select for share is no no problem and select for update is where subtransactions subtransactions uh come to play with uh yeah so yes sorry sorry <laughs> sorry yes so select for share is very well known problem at, as post blog post explains but then if we use select for update and subtransactions we have similar yes. problems as with select for share i'm i'm very sorry yes no no, no. so yeah so if, if you use select for update, for example, queue-like workloads, and you have multiple consumers and you don't want them to fight with local acquisition, so you use select for update, and also you use subtransactions, you might meet a similar performance cliff as for select for share. So anyway, uh, watch out, be very careful if you use a lot of like thousands of TPS, be careful with both select for share and select for update. This is like the explanation. Again, I'm I'm like making mistakes here because I didn't see it myself in in in, in production. I saw it in synthetic workloads again, but not in production. That's why I already keep forgetting. Forgetting. Uh, what do you think about this problem particularly? Yeah, you've made me question which way round it is, and I'm not even <laughs> sure if. It, uh, uh, yeah, worth rereading this if this is something that you make extensive use of at high volume and want to be I, aware of but yeah. I, if neither of us have seen it in the real world especially you it feels to me like this is not the one most likely like we've, we've done three yeah. issues already and i think it's the fourth, fourth that's going to be most likely to actually affect most, people and most interesting yeah i I'm, I'm not sure because again the, the, okay. this post by nelson explains if you use django for example and uses uh, nested yeah. transactions you have save points and, and then you think oh it's a good idea i have parallel workers consuming like fighting with the same low rows to to consume like you like workloads or like lock them i'm going to use like for update and here you you have the similar performance cliff as they explained for select for for share but again it, it happens only at very under very heavy loads like thousands of tps yeah and one point they made in fixing it uh, was they for changed django. yes for django uh, was there was a, a parameter they could change that was that passed save point equals false um, transactional topic yeah yeah which completely fix the issue right like it disables save points exactly yeah yeah uh, it's great that people can do that and it's really interesting that that's not the yeah like it's not the default again with with fixed problems getting rid of tra sub transactions and they actually yeah. before we move on from that post they included one more line that i really liked which was them talking to somebody else who they considered an expert on the postgres side and uh they quoted sub transactions are basically cursed rip them out cursed that was, yeah. yeah cursed yeah. Oh, well, cursed, I, I, I guess. Saw, now, now i'm the, like the the like um how to say i'm i'm bringing these thoughts to people and sometimes i, I see pushbacks like uh no 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 like they're still good well sorry <laughs> it's not only my thought i i inherited it from this post as well but so let me explain the we what we saw at gitlab yeah the uh, this is problem number four Problem on four, and I, I saw it myself and help help troubleshoot, and they had also great blog post uh, about this, uh, yeah. and uh, this led to uh, to big effort to eliminate some transactions in in GitLab code. So there is another cache uh, which um, is uh, like kind of global, not per session, and uh, it it has also a threshold sixteen uh, hard coded in source code. There is constant uh, sixteen. 
and when you reach 16 sub, sub transactions on a replica, uh, so and you have a long running transaction, different one, some some select for example, or just somebody open transaction and sitting, not consuming seed anymore, on the primary, all, all, on all replicas at some point you will see huge degradation and some tran sub trans SLRU contention, lightweight log. If you check, so it, it looks like a huge spike in pitches activity of active sessions. And these active sessions are sitting in weight event subtrans SLRU. Of course, it happens again under heavy load, like thousands of TPS. So you won't see it if you don't have a load enough. But it's a very hard problem to overcome. So it's like, and also worth to mention, it's great that you can see it in weight event subtrans SLRU. Also, very great that Amazon RDS guys documented uh, weight events. They have best weight event documentation. Postgres itself doesn't have this level of detail for weight events. So I, I'm constantly learning from those documents. And also, if you have Postgres 13 or, or newer, you, 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 there is a new uh, system view. PGSTAT.SLRU. When we, we saw that GitLab, unfortunately, it was an older version. So I, I was thinking, oh, so, 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 so sad I'm not having this view because it provides a lot of good counters and you can see, okay, events of trans SLRU is popping up in, in there. So you, this, this helps with diagno diagnostics. After spending some efforts, we replicated this problem in synthetic environment and discussed it. And the conclusion was we need to eliminate subtransactions. Uh, it was, again, as I said, big effort. I right? found that really interesting, by the way. I found it really interesting why reducing subtransactions wasn't enough. And it was really a case of actually eliminating them. Yeah. Well, sorry, I've, I said 16, 32. Here, like uh, 64 is for this local cache. And here, 32, uh, this limit of... Uh, um, SLRU bu uh, buffer size. So yeah, you can reduce them, but it will, it would, will happen only at some extent. The problem is this, uh, long lasting, um, uh, the transaction on the yeah. primary. It can be like you have this and also the level of seed consumption. Yeah. Also, right. And if you have high TPS, the higher TPS you have, the shorter this long trans read-only transaction needs to be to, to so you can hit or your replicas hit hit this performance cliff so for example if you have lower tps you can sti still have this problem but you will need to wait more with this long running transaction you so will only, also tell you will only hit it if like the query is let's say yeah. dozens of seconds or minutes or maybe even longer whereas yeah. you, when i think you showed nicely in your blog post or maybe it was the GitLab one if you ramp that up enough, this could even be achieved within seconds. Like I think the synthetic one you you were benchmarking was like 18 seconds or something, but it was quite easy to see that this could be low numbers yeah. of seconds as well quite easily. Yeah, this like we thought about like, maybe we should just control long running transactions on primary and uh, be more proactive for beating them, but six, like, seconds right it's like yeah already too short the reason i brought the reason i wanted to hammer that home is i don't think most people think of two second queries when they're talking about long yeah. running transactions yeah but long is relative yeah Definitely. true and 
so also if you don't use replicas for read only traffic you, there is no problem here so it doesn't happen with okay. primary it, it was a difficulty when we needed to troubleshoot it because uh, with single node experiment you cannot reproduce it you need two nodes you need a replica to to see how it works but again we have um, a publicly available uh, reproduction in th synthetic environment so you can play yourself and see how it hits you oh, there are good uh, attempts to improve it also andrei borodin involved this guy is everywhere so, like, when i have some problem I, I see some effort already he participates so there is a effort to increase the uh, salary buffer size and also re re uh, change uh, algorithm search algorithm there and so on it's interesting i hope uh, eventually it will make it into source code and finally my approach is let's eliminate some transactions altogether if you aim to grow till like many thousand tps and and so on but I think we need to eliminate it in source code of application yeah. because because like we have less control on it. But sometimes I still use subtransactions, for example, uh, when deploying some complex oh, DGL. Yeah, right. Because when you need to do something, do 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 something, and then you need to perform some additional step and this step might fail because you are gentle. I mean, you yeah, yeah. you know you need to acquire a log, but you have low low log timeout and retries. You can do this retry at higher level, but you will need to redo all the steps before it, right? Nice. Or yeah, you I can, can do yeah. retry here uh, with sub transactions. And crucially, yeah. you want a transact like the transactions giving you a lot of benefits that it will roll back if it fails ultimately. That that so the transaction right. itself, the the top level transaction, is really valuable. So you you can't. Right. You can't get rid of that. Like you need, right. you can't do it in steps. You need to do it all or nothing. Right. For example, you have some table, you put some data into it, and then you establish foreign key and you need establishing foreign key, you need retries and so on. But you also need to, to make sure these retries don't last long if you don't want to keep all the locks you already acquired so far because locks, the rule, remember, the rule, locks are like, are being held until the very end of transaction, rollback or commit. They cannot be free that in, in, in the middle of transaction, right? This is impossible. So you should be careful with all logs already acquired. So yeah, here we, we can use certain actions, retire logic, and then you, you just deploy it when we have lower level of TPS and we definitely don't have long transactions, uh, read-only transactions or other transactions on the primary. Great. This is the key. Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting, and it's like story two years old already. But it was super interesting to see these things. And I last probably my last words like I'm very thankful that it's implemented at Postgres, and I hope it will be improved. I mean, I'm not an enemy of subtransactions. Some like some people might think. I I I think it's a great feature, but we should be very careful under heavy loads. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I there's a couple more super minor things that I wanted to mention before we finish, and that's the subtrans SLRU in Postgres 12 and older. So I know Postgres 12 is the only older version that is still supported, but it was it had a different name, right? Subtrans Control Lock, just in case. Right. Like, so in case it was, it was renaming heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the last one was the GitLab blog post ended on really positive note that. Because they, the, the reason they were able to diagnose this with you with some help from other people internally 
was that Postgres's source code is well documented and that the, that the source code's open. And this would have been a really difficult issue to diagnose on a closed source system. Anyway, I thought that was a really nice point that even though Postgres does have this issue or can hit this issue at scale using save points or subtransactions in general, the fact that it's open gives it that huge benefit of people being able to diagnose this issue themselves. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Like just keep in mind, that's it. <laughs> you yeah. use, use other people issues already documented to, to improve. Nice Good. one. Well, thanks everybody. Thank you, Nikolai. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy it and thanks. See you next week. Bye-bye.